0: Back control looking, deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw Devontae Parker! Holy
1: smokes, what a drive!
2: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is late Sunday night, possibly Monday morning, when you are listening to this podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, you know what time it is. Another Victory Monday edition here of the Drive Time Podcast as the Dolphins win, 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 win. That is seven of the last eight. So much to unpack from this Dolphins 19 to 7. Win, 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 win. As what started off as a slow, kind of uneventful game turned into a high wire act as the Dolphins defense puts the clamps on the Bengals, not allowing a point over the final three quarters and a resurgent up-tempo attack from the offense leads to the final 19 points of the game. We'll cover takeaways, individuals, audio from coach and players, and we'll get John Congemi as we do here every single Sunday night on the recap edition of Drive Time. All of that and more on this Monday, December the 7th edition of... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Drive Time is brought to you by Auto Nation. Hey, Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at Auto Nation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big new year savings on your favorite Auto Nation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, Jeeps, and more. Shop safely at the Auto Nation store near you or AutoNation.com. Some game that was out in Miami today, huh? We had the Dolphins win this one 19-7, and I finally got a chance to go back and look at the box score because there was a lot going on from quotes and articles and writing things up and the, let's call it a shift in the mindset late in that game that kind of set the tempo for post game and what coach and players were going to talk about to the media. But what kind of got lost in the shuffle there for me was the box score look at this Dolphins box score we've we've long heard the conversation this year that even as the Dolphins are winning games by multiple scores we've heard Coach Flores talk about how I don't really care about the stats without the proper context because they might tell you one thing and I think I saw another thing well look at the box score for this game for Miami no doubt about who played the better football game Miami 406 yards 196 for the Bengals the Dolphins had 110 yards on the ground Cincinnati rushed for only 40 yards in the game Dolphins passed for 296 to the Bengals 156. Miami was one for 10 on third down, so that's got to get better. We know that. The Bengals were three for 12, right in line with Miami's top Third down defense in the National Football League. Two takeaways for Miami, one for the Bengals on that late Miles Gaskin fumble, six Dolphins sacks. The Bengals didn't have any. And the Dolphins eight penalties for 54 yards. We heard Coach talk about that post-game. That's not gonna that's not gonna do it for Coach Flores and the way he wants this operation run. The Bengals six penalties, 62 yards, and TOP goes to Miami, who had 32 minutes and 16 seconds of time of possession. A couple of the storylines I was Keeping my my eye on, keeping a finger on the pulse of, as we got closer and closer to kickoff, was how the running back rotation worked, and it went how I thought it would. Miles Gaskin played the lion's share of the snaps. We did see some Patrick Laird out there at times in this game, and Chandler Cox as well. In the very early going, I don't know how many snaps he played, but I did see him on the field early. But it was mostly Miles Gaskin out there, as he, Cox, who was the fullback of course, and Laird were the only running backs available. Of course, I was. Ki- Concerned or not concerned, but I was curious to see what Tua played like in this game because we've heard all the stories. He hasn't played since that Denver game. So, you know, everyone in the week to week league and the kind of get your reaction, get your take, get your final conclusion on a player after every single game, reform that and propose it as a long term solution. That's how it is in this league. So I was curious to see how Tua would bounce back. And the second half that he played in this game, I think, I hope, is what folks will remember and how he was just comfortable and throwing on the move and making plays. We'll talk more about that here in just one second. I wanted to know how many three and outs they were going to get. How many turnovers could they force? Could they hold the Bengals to 10 or fewer first downs. Those were my target points and expectations for this Dolphins defense, and they came damn close. Two more takeaways. That extends the NFL's longest active streak of 18 straight games with a takeaway. They get four three and outs in the game. A whole bunch of punts. We'll talk more about that again in the takeaway segment here. And 12 first downs for the Bengals offense. So just a little bit over on the end of the game. A couple of first downs there late. Helped the Bengals get over the 10 mark. But those were what I was looking for, and this defense once again did not disappoint. And then the offensive line with Robert Hunt starting the game instead of in place of Jesse Davis at right tackle with Solomon Kinley back at right guard. We did see Eric Flowers get hurt in this game. More on that in just one second, which pushed uh, Davis into right guard off the bench and Solomon Kinley over to left guard where he played at Georgia. So some interesting stuff to look at there. We'll get more on the offensive line stuff on the All-22 review. Just an easier time for me to have more transparency with that for you guys. First, though, let's go ahead and just address the elephant in the room and hear from Coach Flores. He spoke post-game about the skirmish between the two teams which saw the Dolphins' sideline kind of pour onto the field in support of Jakeem Grant, who was hit late on a kickoff or a punt return, I should say, for a fair, with a fair catch for the second time in the game. Let's go ahead and let Coach Flores take you through his perspective of the entire event.
3: Yeah, I mean, we got to do a better job of keeping our poise. That starts with me. I've got to do a better job of keeping our, my, my poise. Um, you know, look, I'm going to stick up for my players. Uh, they, they, they're going to stick up for each other without getting penalties, without hurting the team, but we got to do a better job of keeping keeping our poise, you know, as a team. Look, these are, I'm just going to be, these are like my kids. So the first time, yeah, you know, second time I got a little, you know, upset about it, but, you know, still I got to do a better job. I have to, um, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, do anything to hurt the team. My emotions got the best of me there, but again, this is, you see somebody you care about, you know, uh, you'll get hit like that, you know, twice and, but I got to do a better job. I got to keep my poise better. We we have to do a better job of that as a team.
2: And his greater point remains and will remain for Coach Flores that he just has to maintain better composure. And Coach was asked this later in the press conference about if he felt like he might have scored some points with his players with his with the entire Dolphins operation. And again, he'll repeat the fact that he has to do a better job and his team has to do a better job of keeping their poise. But the players talked about it afterwards, after the game, and they all came out in support of Coach Flores and and talked about the same things Coach said, where if they're going to do something to one of our guys, like Jakeem, someone you care about, then you're going to have to react in a certain way. And that was kind of the general theme of the message afterwards. But also the team, of course, has to keep their head on straight, can't have those kind of mistakes play out in in a, a football game that maybe is closer on the scoreboard. So. We'll go ahead and leave that and bury that right there. You're not coming to the show to hear me talk about the drama. You want to hear me talk about the football game. And that's where we get into our very first takeaway here with the first takeaway, the value of a cornerback that takes the football away paired with the pass rush that does what it does to close out football games. That's kind of a long winded first take here, but I couldn't find out a way to focus this thing on one singular area. So I had to bring both of them together because I think that they both go so perfectly in unison to what, We talked about on Friday's top news piece, the vision of this defense, what Coach Flores with Josh Boyer and that defensive staff, what they want this defense to look like to fit what they think they can do best schematically. And so you'd hear them talk about making the scheme fit the players, which of course is great and you should do it. But it's also nice when you sign players that have the skill set to operate the scheme that you want to run, and that's what they did by getting these two lockdown cornerbacks in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Now, the long touchdown for the Bengals, the 72 yarder today, came because of a little rub route on a flat, a little pick to get a, a first down for Tyler Boyd on a third and short, but Byron Jones went underneath the rub, and that gave Tyler Boyd a chance to make a move and get upfield and score that touchdown. But besides that mistake, the defense was lights out throughout the course of this game, and the cornerbacks in particular they continue to get it done we talked about the Brian Baldinger radio spot on that Friday top news piece where he talked about you have the stout outside coverage that allows you to get all these guys that can rush from different spots and create and do different things and line up in different spots and stunt and twist and win pass rush with a bull rush win pass rush with a speed move do counter moves all these different variety of things it confuses the quarterback it allows this defense to crank up the pressure with the trust and and just security of knowing those cornerbacks on the outside, in addition to two safeties who should be mentioned in that group as well. Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain are both having fantastic seasons. The vision of the defense coming together, and as the second-ranked scoring defense in the league, the top-ranked third-down defense in the league, 18 straight games in the takeaway, six sacks in this football game. You see the vision pairing up with the talent on the football field, and man, it sure has been fun to watch. But we go ahead and start here with Xavier Howard, who... He catches it, and the press box just goes, yeah, it was X. But it, uh, who else would it be? It's, it's weird. I, I don't know how to describe it. I think Shaq Lawson said it best when he said he has never seen anybody doing what Xavier Howard's doing right now. And with credit to Tredavious White over in Buffalo, Shaq Lawson has a certain thought about Xavier Howard.
1: Best quarterback in the league. You know what I'm saying? Hands down. You get one every week, man. I, I ain't never witnessed nothing like that. I mean, I, I'm playing with good cornerback. Don't get me wrong. I played with a great quarterback last year. But see, a guy to get a pick almost every week, it's incredible, man. It's incredible, man. And I'm I'm glad I'm witness being with one of the, the, the best corner in the league.
2: That is 20 interceptions in his last 34 games. He leads the NFL this year with eight. He's got 20 picks in 52 career games, which of course, that is the same amount that he has in the last 34 games. I saw a stat from the great Brett Coleman on Twitter, the the famed YouTube channel, The Film Room, and he talked about Asante Samuel playing for 11 years of his NFL career, so a lot longer than X so far, but averaging a pick every three games and how absurd that is. Xavier Howard, in his career, is averaging a pick less than every three games. In the last 34 games, it's like every game and a half. So he is on an unreal, ridiculous pace, helping this defense out and playing that good man coverage, that good tight coverage, staying in the hip pockets of the game's best receivers up and down the field, he and Byron Jones and Nick Needham in the slot with those two safeties. That pairs up so well with this pass rush that went off today. Went off with six sacks in the game, three for Kyle Van Noy, two for Shaq Lawson, one for Zach Sealer. And Shaq Lawson talked about, I asked him this question post-game, like, is there something about a guy making a play that gets your guys' energy level at just another level, like beyond 10 even? And the reason I wanted to play this audio for you is because I think it speaks to what this Dolphins team, what they've said they are all season long, about how they truly care for one another. And how they all have a like-minded mentality when it comes to how to work and how to play football, and how they truly do believe in one, one another. And the Dolphins' emphasis this off on getting the right 53 here in Miami. Listen to Shaq Lawson talk about the defense. It's,
1: it's the excitement when, when you see a guy make a play, especially a teammate, and you know throughout the week he work hard, work hard to make plays for Sunday. I mean, you just feed off that, I and mean, you want to go make a make, next play. And then we just feed off each other, man. You know, uh, people feeding off Cal. Altma, Christian, you know, Christian is the Christian is the reason why, like, I'm uh, get us going, like, his energy and juice. I know I'll be part of that too, but Christian, it's, 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 it's been different since we've been having him back than before he was missing, you know, the energy level is a lot different having that guy.
2: I want to focus on that last part. There's a reason I played that Christian Wilkins part because – This defense, we talk about Shaq Lawson. We talk about Kyle Van Noy, the five sacks between those two guys today. We talk about Emmanuel Ogba, who damn near had his ninth sack, but they just overturned it, would have given Christian a touchdown pass. Talk about Xavier Howard, rightfully so. And all these other players on this defense, Christian Wilkins continues down in and down out, game in and game out, to get penetration, to get knockback, to be disruptive, both as a pass rusher and a run defender. And he does so much to create chances for other players. But it's not just that. We talk about the right 53, right? Well, You heard Shaq talk about it right there. Who is the guy on this team, the second year player that brings the juice and changes the complexion and the overall feeling in that locker room? It's Christian Wilkins. And he was the first draft pick of the Brian Flores and Chris Greer regime. The Brian Flores, Chris Greer marriage here in Miami that right now is looking so good with the way this defense has come together. Christian Wilkins was the first part they brought in for that, and they talked about that extensively when he was drafted throughout the course of his rookie season into this year. You hear it every day in the press conferences, and in this game, the reason I wanted to really harp on Christian here, he was so... It was the same Christian Wilkins performance you get a lot of the time that goes unnoticed. Just constant penetration, resetting the line of scrimmage on the inside, and creating big gaps and big lanes for pass rushers to blitz inside of him for the guys on the outside to get those one-on-one chances. He does so much for this defense, and it's not just on the football field. It's in the personality, and I think you Hear that right here in Christian's audio. When somebody asked him about getting that touchdown taken off the board when he scooped up the Ogbo strip sack and they took it off the board after he dunked it over the goalpost and lost his mind on the same level that he would celebrate with his teammates, he got to be the one scoring this time. He loses his mind and has a great celebration, broke out all the dances. He's not too thrilled about the fact that they overturned it and called it an incomplete pass on the field. Here's Christian.
1: Man, they some haters. That's all I got to say. I don't know who I got to talk to, but I'm a little upset. I didn't did every dance in the book, every celebration. I was tired, all of that, and it didn't even count. Might even got took a fine, but hey, it was worth it. I had a little fun out there. Uh, too bad it just didn't count. Um, but it is what it is. I'm glad we got the
2: win. So there you go, and he finishes off by talking about the most important thing on the day, getting the win, the bubbly personality, but the switch to know when to flip that thing on. I love Christian Wilkins. I love Shaq Lawson. Those are two easy guys to to be around, to root for, and to watch play football, and I'm glad that they're on our team. And that just continues this theme here. The first takeaway kind of turned into a defensive Brave fest here as Josh Boyer's unit continues to get the job done. We talked about the Van Noy three sacks. All three of those sacks coming up, lining up inside. Shaq Lawson ripping off the edge for both of his sacks. Ogba in that same spot gets the 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 hit on the quarterback, the non-sack, the incomplete pass. Zach Sealer on the three technique. It comes from all over. It comes in waves. And when you give this team a lead, back to the first point, man, they sure do know how to close out football games. The Bengals offense today, punt, punt, Touchdown, 3-and-out punt. Missed field goal, 3-and-out, 3-and-out, 3-and-out punt. Interception. So this Dolphins defense just continues to blow you away every single week. Takeaway number two, calling the game to tuatunga Loa strengths. I love the way Chan Gailey got back to some of those things in that second half. We're going to go ahead and hear from Coach Flores, hear about the tempo in the second half of the game, making the switch to go up tempo and how that can impact the defense and how you can also benefit your young quarterback and your offense.
3: Yeah, I think Chan, Chan and the offensive staff, you know, made that adjustment. We uh, just wanted to pick up the pace a little bit, and um, you know, it was uh, it was uh, it was efficient. And we got some production out of it, so we stayed with it. Uh, I think you know, again, that's that's hard to deal with defensively. Um, so we were able to uh, you know, make some good throws, make some good runs, uh, and execute. And really keep the pressure on, and that's, that's, that was the thought process at halftime,
2: and we, we got it, we got it accomplished. I gotta say, there's no one way to skin a cat. I never believe there's one blueprint in the National Football League, but I sure do like having my defensive-minded coach helping the rookie quarterback because of things like that. The idea that he knows what's hard on his defense, so he wants to call things for his offense that puts the opposing defense in a bind. And I just love the the things they did with Tua in this game. Getting him out on the move, getting him out on those boots, running some of that zone read. He got free for a run early in the game. He also had a couple of those quick twitch movements in the pocket that you grow in love with Tua Tungavailoa, or you come to grow in love about him, the way he can evade pressure and evade those free rushers got himself active that way pressed the line of scrimmage and got outside and made throws behind the line of scrimmage as he broke through the initial pressure the initial surge thought he got comfortable that way had that deep shot to jakeem grant backed up on his old goalpost that was just falling right into the breadbasket. there almost ran under that thing and took it all the way for what would have been like a 91 yard touchdown drive so you get him loosened up you get him going the deep shots the running aspect of it getting him out in space plenty of those little pop passes to jakeem grant to take advantage of, you know, maybe they don't follow your motion or shift with you on the defensive side of the football. I think Jakeem had two of those 20 yard or within the 20 yard range pop passes in this game, giving Lynn Bowden some carries out of the backfield and that RPO mixing things up and keeping the the Bengals defense off balance with plenty of action where Tua does pull that thing and chuck it into that little hook zone behind the linebackers. You influence them that way. And those two things go off each other so well with the RPO game and the way you open up the running game as Miles Gaskin hits it up for 90 yards in this game. Both those things can work off each other finding that balance and finding that rhythm and completing those six-yard RPOs to help keep those linebackers a little bit concerned about their first false step forward or their first false step backward. If Tua can read that, make the decision, it's going to be a lot more difficult to defend this Dolphins offense when they get both those things working in sync. I like the way they went empty and spread things out and create those big pockets and big windows for Tua to make a quick decision, catch, rock, throw. Your pass protection at that point basically is invalid because the ball's out before the defensive line even has a chance to get there. So spread things out, create a line of vision for Tua, get the ball out of his hands, got him in that rhythm. I just love the way they called this game for him in the second half, giving multiple options to football, spreading things out and going to the up-tempo look to start the third quarter. Here's Tua talking about the stress the up-tempo offense can put on the opposing defense.
0: I think when you're on the ball and you're going fast, it confuses the defense because they need to get lined up. They can't get their right call in at times. Then when you have guys motioning, it, it confuses up their call. If they have a blitz on or what coverage they're going to run. So, you know, I, I think the, the up-tempo things that we did in the second half really helped us to, to get the ball rolling
2: and they did get that ball rolling for a career-high 296 passing yards there for Tonga vailoa I think an area of improvement for this week to look at is red zone opportunities. They had some down there close near the goal line. Just couldn't quite finish off a few of those drives, but Otherwise, I thought the game was a really good one for Tua. That play where he broke contain and found Miles Gaskin for 35 yards was just vintage Tua getting off the spot, making a play outside the pocket. He almost did the exact same thing in that Chargers game with the Jakeem Grant peel-back throw where he got out of pressure, threw it up the field, and just was out of reach of Tua. This time he finds Gaskin with a floater for 35 yards in a big gain, And that's right before the touchdown pass where he finds Mike Gesicki with just perfectly leveraged throw where Gesicki has the open back shoulder Underneath defender, big target. Put it up high and away. Kasicki locates it, pulls it in. That's what he does. Tua gave him the chance there. Just love the way he's able to do that. The way they are aggressive out of the out of the, the break at halftime, I talked about that. Gets him in this motion where he goes 7 for 10 with 110 yards and a touchdown on the next two drives. Quick 10 points to really change the feel of that football game to make it 16-7. And I talked a little bit about Lynn Bowden there. I like what I saw from Lynn Bowden. I think there's some, something there with some more work as we go along here. Chan Gilly spoke about spoke about his skill set kind of integrating with the offense back when he first got here. Not that it was a lack of talent, but a lack of just being here and having those repetitions in practice. Him getting more work is a positive sign for another possible option in the skill spots, getting the football in the game. And Jakeem Grant on those pop passes again, loved his activity and involvement in this game. So offense, good job in that second half. Third takeaway, we'll go quickly here through these, the injuries and the way this team responds to adversity. We lost at one point Eric Rowe, Landon Roberts, and Eric Flowers in this game, and Rowe did return to the football game, so that was good to see. The story was not the same for Roberts and Flowers, and, and Flowers went off on a cart, so you hope the best for him. I felt sick to my stomach watching him get carted off. You could see how, how upset he was about that fact, playing good football here for his hometown team. Get well soon, Flowers. I hope I hope you're good, man. hope everything's okay with Eric Flowers. In his place, they brought in Solomon Kimley at left guard and brought Jesse Davis off the bench to play right guard. Thought that group played well, and it's not unexpected that Jesse Davis steps in and plays well at a spot. He's played four spots at the offensive line in his career. But that losing the bodies on, on both offense and defense with guys and just the uncharacteristic penalties of this game, like not reporting on that on the fake for Matt Hawk, taking points off the board, a false start from Mack Hollins on the punt team, neutral zone infraction on the defense, roughing the quarterback on a slide down from Calvin Munson. Just... Some mistakes you don't see this football team normally make were out there in this game. Some drop passes, some missed tackles, some that that weird aggressive, you know, the zero blitz where Byron Jones kind of worked around the inside when Tyler Boyd got the outside for the one really good offensive play they had in the game. Some uncharacteristic mistakes but this team's metal and next man up mentality for both the injuries and those mistakes. The way they bounced back and made sure this thing didn't Cavalcade into a you know two score deficit, a three score deficit, and then all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter and you're you're done. You've lost a game that you you need to win. They didn't let that happen. They turned it around. They showed the resiliency, turned things back up and got back in the game and won going away. So that was great to see. Love the fact that this team can respond to that. Let's go ahead and get to takeaway number four here. It's just that Jason Sanders stays golden. Jason Sanders stays golden four for four on the day. What a weapon this guy is and the way it can change the way you approach the football game is really my takeaway here because you put him out there. You're Okay, three points. That's it. I mean, what else is it? 28 for 29. It changes the way you can attack in key situations. It changes the target point for the offense when you're trailing in a game, when we eventually get to this point, which we're going to at some point where you need a drive late to win the game. It's happened, I think once this year. And since, since Tua came in once in a long time on top of that, where Miami had to have a drive late in the fourth quarter to put points on the board to, to tie it or go ahead. And they got it done against the Cardinals. And then later came back and had the game winning field goal there as well. That's going to happen again at some point. And knowing that I can get the ball to the 40 and be in, Pretty damn good shape for Jason Sanders. That is a weapon, my friends. Jason Sanders, an absolute weapon. Vote him for the Pro Bowl. Number five takeaway here, the career days for Tua Gasicki and Gaskin. I thought that... We talked about the offense a lot in the second takeaway, but just to kind of piggyback off that and give some more individual notes here Tua, really on his performance. I just, again, thought he was really good in the second half and saw a lot of the things that you feel comfortable with him. Maybe knocking off some of that rust after not playing for a week, missing last week with the thumb, getting things going and giving yourself a chance to have some confidence and some positivity going into a tough game next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it just seems like for most of the season and really since especially since Tua got back. We just haven't had all the weapons come together. And right now, I know Preston Williams was not out there today, but getting Miles Gaskin back in the running game going a little bit and having Mike Gasicki with Devontae Parker and Lynn Bowden active and ready, hopefully we get Malcolm Perry back here soon as well. He was inactive in this game. I liked the rhythm these, th- these three guys got into together. Tua Tungavailoa, Most passing yards in his career, 296. He also has now tied the franchise record with five consecutive games without throwing an interception. That ties Jay Fiedler all-time. He's 4-1 and in his five starts. Again, hasn't turned the football over. Passer rating around 100. That's top 10, 12 in the league if you qualify him among enough pass attempts. He's off to that start. And Mike Gesicki's nine receptions in this game. Those are a career high for Gasicki, who leads all tight ends in yards per reception. He's third among all tight ends with touchdowns since week 13 of last season. So basically, since he started scoring touchdowns, he's become a consistent red zone threat that way. He has the most, the highest first down conversion rate of tight ends this year in the NFL as well. So Mike Gasicki continues to get it done. Career high, nine catches and then 88 yards and a touchdown in this game. Miles Gaskin finishes the day with 141 yards for scrimmage. That is a career high for him as well. So this Dolphins team, again, plenty they can work on going forward, but again, 8-4 and four for the first time since 2003. Just go ahead and rip through some of my individual notes here really quickly. I talked about Gaskin's balance to stay on his feet after the screen pass, after the pass to Jakeem Grant went incomplete deep from their own end zone. Uh, it was a 2nd and 10. They threw a screen to Miles Gaskin. He was 4 or 5 yards behind the line and got hit. And you, shot, you saw the balance and the lower body strength of, of Gaskin to stay on his feet to pick up 16 yards after what probably should have been a loss. And the Dolphins would go on to score that drive. So big change in the game right there by Miles Gaskin staying on his feet and making a good play there. Receivers, we talked a little bit about Lynn Bowden. Devontae Parker draws two pass interference calls in the game early on to help get the offense going early. He also caught a pair of passes, one I thought was a really nice anticipation rip between he and Tunga Bailoa early in the game. Mike Kosicki, we talked about him already, but that one handed catch looking like Orande Gadsden one two days rather after he was on the podcast. Thank you for doing that, Mike. I appreciate that, my man. On the offensive line, we talked about the replacements on the interior, getting the job done there with Jesse Davis. We'll talk more about that on Tuesday's podcast. Defensive line-wise, we talked about Christian Wilkins a bunch. He was all over my notes. Ogba continues to win from multiple spots. Zach Seeler had the sack and continues to do what he does all season long. This defensive line just playing really good football in conjunction with the linebacker core. Van Noy three sacks in the game. Calvin Munson, I thought, had some good plays outside of the one penalty we talked about in this game. Landon Roberts had some good pursuit early on before he left the game with an injury. Jerome Baker continues to show that speed, sideline to sideline. Andrew Van Ginkel makes plays as well. I talked about Byron Jones being in the hip pocket on a third down stop on a, a pass target on the first possession, just always in phase where he needs to be. And then uh, Nick Needham gets a great pass breakup on Tyler Boyd in the first half. thought that was worth mentioning in addition to his, his INT that fell from the heavens into his hands. Good for him there. And then the Xavier Howard pick, man, the switch release where he fights through the rub and plays the football like a receiver. Again, we talked about it off the top. It just doesn't surprise you anymore. Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain, the way these guys communicate and move. We talked about the foosball table last week, saw more of that this week. And McCain's ability to run off routes and then close on different routes and impact multiple reads in the progression on any given play. Gosh, it's fun to watch. I love this secondary so much. And they played another great football game, another game allowing just seven points, allowed 10 points in the last two games combined. So just dominant, dominant defense. For your Miami Dolphins, let's go ahead and turn this thing over now to John Kenjemi and get to his three takeaways for Dolphins nineteen, Bengals seven. And joining me now on the podcast, as he do does weekly here on the Sunday edition of Drive Time, is John Kenjemi. He is the co-host of the Audible podcast. John, how you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, nice win at home for the Miami Dolphins, so it, it sets uh, it sets this football team up for a strong finish, and hopefully they'll be able to win enough down that stretch to, to enter the playoffs. So it's uh, a, it's a good conversation to have, and I'm looking forward to see what the last couple of games and in this last month have in store for us.
2: First time at 8-4 and four since 2003. That was the year the Dolphins beat the Cowboys and Thanksgiving, and then things kind of went awry from that point forward. But, um, you know, John, usually you and I have these, these moments in the press box where you're going down for TV in the fourth quarter, and you leave, and the game's pretty much in hand. That wasn't the case in this one, although it kind of started to feel that way as the Dolphins' defense got hotter and hotter. I have to imagine your first takeaway, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I have to imagine your first takeaway goes somewhere towards that Dolphins' defense.
0: It does. And it was really the tale of two halves. You know, um, when I got up at, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I kind of missed the fisticuff. So I need to get filled in from you <laughs> yeah. at some point this week on what exactly <laughs> happened. But it really was a tale of two halves, both offensively and defensively. I think Cincinnati left some points out on the football field. That they could have had, you know, two scores or at least 10 points. Going to halftime, and I thought the Dolphins were very fortunate to be only trailing by a point going into halftime. With the way they played, they were they were a little bit lethargic on both sides. They had too many penalties. Um, they weren't efficient in the red zone. Uh, just too many self inflicted mistakes. And uh, I don't think Tua had a particularly good half. But then you know you turn around, you come up after halftime, and all of a sudden the offense goes into this up tempo no huddle, uh, get to a going, and get them distributing the football. And they look like a completely different football team. And so does the defense. They go uh, with three consecutive three and outs. Uh, I think the Dolphins, uh, the total yardage in the third quarter was something like 181 to minus four. So it it really (laughs) was a different football team after the first 30 minutes. And it really turned the whole game around. The offense uh, came out and was explosive. The defense came out. They you know, stopped Cincinnati in their tracks and they both complimented each other. And, and it was fun to watch for the last 30 minutes.
2: You said minus four yards in the second half of the Bengals
0: second, maybe the third quarter. Okay. Uh, I think it was the third quarter uh, that they had maybe minus four yards to one eighty-one. somebody Somebody uh, w- was telling me that on the way out of the stadium, after we were done doing the channel four stuff and I kind of jotted it down, but I, I, it, w- it was, it was a total domination in that third quarter.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I believe it for the half because there were so many sacks and negative plays there towards the end. They just kept on pushing that offense back. And that's been one of my favorite things about watching this team this year is the NFL, it seems, is designed where a team has a 17 or 20-point lead, whatever the case might be, and the other team starts inching their way back. That just doesn't happen on this Dolphins team. They, They close games as well as anybody in the league right now. John, what is your second takeaway from Dolphins 19, Bengals 7?
0: I thought some of the star players shined. Uh, I thought Mike Kasicki was had his best game as a pro. I, I know he had a career high nine catches, but just the way his catches impacted the game, and the way you felt like, who is that? You know, <laughs> that was eighty eight. That was Mike Kosicki. and and you know the one touchdown was a again climb the ladder, rip it away from somebody, and I just thought he played really well. I thought Tua really played well in the second half. Obviously, Xavier and Howard with. with Another interception, making it eight on the season. Uh, Kyle Van Noy with the multiple sack game and the defense with six total. Uh, And holding, you know, uh, holding the Cincinnati offense, just they were inept in the second half. And I just thought that defense rallied. But the the star players came up and they shined when they needed to. And, you know, guys, there's a lot of them on this football team. And a couple of them stepped up and I thought they needed to. Yeah. To, for, to
2: get the win at least. Absolutely. You mentioned Mike Gasicki. That one-handed catch was it, it looked just like Aronde Gatston back in 2002 against the Jets. And I actually spoke to Aronde on the Friday podcast, so I was very excited to have that those two things come together. He catches nine passes like you mentioned on 10 targets. So, highly efficient, 88 yards on those 10 targets. That is some supreme production out of your tight end. John, he is number 1 in first down conversions in in terms of how many of his targets turn into first downs among tight ends. He's first in yards per reception among tight ends. And since week 13 of last season, when he caught his first career touchdown pass, he has the third most touchdown receptions among all tight ends. So Mike is Big, big time game here, John, your third takeaway is what?
0: I think the Miami dolphins need to play with more discipline. Um, I, I know things get heated in the football game. I've been in the middle of a couple of those, uh, scraps uh myself just by chance just it happens and you go support your team but down the stretch if the dolphins want to get to where they want to get to and that's the playoffs you can't play down to your competition and in the next four weeks you're going to be playing up to your competition because you got the world champs coming into hard rock stadium you're not gonna you're not gonna be within three touchdowns of that kansas city team if you play the way you did in the first half and then you play with the discipline or lack thereof that you did in this football game. And the same goes for New England. Same goes for the for Vegas. Same goes for the Buffalo Bills on the road in Buffalo at the end of the season. You will not win those games. You will find a way to lose if you have eight penalties for you know 54 yards like they did today or 10 penalties for over 100 yards or if you're careless with the football or if you uh, give that first push or that – that retaliation push it it just won't happen those hidden yards will will beat you against good football teams and just so happens that Cincinnati and the Jets are not good football teams and they're able to get away with that so I think coach Flores and starts with him you know he has to get back to you know focusing on that discipline and coming from him coming from the whole football team you're not going to win against the teams you have left on the schedule if you beat yourself and you help the teams uh beat the Miami Dolphins so I think that has to be corrected very quickly.
2: Yeah. You mentioned that you were excited for the opportunity to go into the stretch run at eight and four. And you know, you, that's a good example right there. Like this team has a chance already to kind of test themselves against some of the better teams in the league, like a Kansas city, new England just put 45, nothing on the chargers. Last I checked, I was, I was pretty surprised yeah. by that, that outcome. You mentioned the chiefs. I mean, if, if you don't play good if you don't play your best game against the Chiefs, you're not gonna have a chance. The Bills, obviously, a big AFC East rival, and the Raiders are a good team as well. They're down the stretch. John, look forward to it. We got two more of these together at home, and then two on the road. So four more, my friend. And let's go ahead and finish the season strong. Dolphins eight and four. John, thank you so much for your time tonight.
0: You got it. Thanks, Travis.
2: And there he goes, John Konjemmy of the Audible Podcast. You guys can catch the Audible with him and Kim Bocamper, legendary Dolphins defensive lineman here with the organization on the Audible podcast on wherever you get your podcast from, that one, as well as the Fish Tank. Also, please be sure to subscribe to all three of the Dolphins podcasts here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Go ahead and leave us all ratings and reviews. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com, the Sunday spotlight, the game recap, as well as tomorrow's Inside the Numbers piece, all going to be live there for you guys in these coming days. But until next time, fins up.